It's the Half Court Press Podcast. Sam McEwen along with Joel Lorenzi here on a Tuesday. On a We're past the NBA draft, and some guys don't want to necessarily say they're in the NBA draft Tuesday. Um, <laughs> one of those guys being Casey Tominaga. We'll talk about him in a minute. Apparently, he did confirm it to one to one outlet. I have to admit that. I I don't know. He's announced it publicly, but we'll talk about what Casey is trying to do with the NBA. We'll also talk about the Creighton guys. Um in in the uh, in the NBA draft, we we know for sure that uh, Trey Alexander is in the NBA draft, mm-hmm. and Arthur Kaluma is in the NBA draft, yep. and we don't know. Uh, I, I think we think that Ryan Kalkbrenner is going to test the NBA draft waters. Creighton signed a new player that no one I think expected to sign, so that was new. And Creighton's former point guard signed with a new team last week. Yeah, right? that was like that was that like was- one of the number one stories on our website all week. Was yeah. where Ryan Hemard went. Yeah, I think it was the end of last week. It, it, was. it, it wasn't even super long ago. It's just the days are. They kind of smushed together. Yeah, with all the news and you know, like my life is, uh, BSG and ASG before spring game and after spring game. So, um, yeah, I want to remind everybody to subscribe to the Omaha World Herald. Uh, you get twenty six weeks for a dollar. Um, if you do that today, which today is April, uh, what is today? April twenty fourth. If you were to do that today, you take 4, 24, 23, and you add 6 to the 4, and you get all the way through October. You're going to get through half of the Nebraska football season, and we know some of these Creighton basketball fans like Nebraska football. You'll get almost all of Joel's preseason stuff for the Creighton basketball team. You'll get the full Creighton volleyball season. Um, you'll get uh, you'll get a whole bunch of fun stuff. So uh, subscribe to the Omaha World Herald. Go to omaha.com backslash subscribe and start your online deal today. Okay, Joel, uh, lots of things happening in the Creighton basketball world. We will start with what we know. Uh, Trey Alexander goes to the NBA draft, uh, and Arthur Kaluma goes to the NBA draft. Both of them announced that on social media. Both of them have chosen to retain their uh, immediate eligibility. How likely is it that both of them will return to college, A, and B, return to Creighton? Yeah, um, and this is neither of these are a surprise, right? Based on you know the stuff we've been talking about for weeks um, with Kaluma, probably even dating back to in season. I mean, Kaluma, I think the general expectation was that he's going to try his hand at the draft. Whether or not he'd stay there um, past the deadline, I think was is what was up for debate um, previous to this past week or recent weeks. And um, now, I mean, the general sense I've been talking about that I've had for. For weeks is that he'll he'll stay there. Um, it just feels like I don't know. I I mean I said this on a, another show today, but you know, Mac Mac's idea of Kaluma and Kaluma's idea of himself are different, and um, I think you know Mac allowed Kaluma maybe the space in Maui to rock out and do some of the on ball stuff that he thought he saw himself and it, this wasn't anything he thought of out of thin air I mean he did a lot of it in afro basket and whatnot over the summer so he felt he could be an on-ball creator add that wrinkle um should you know a possession break down and didn't turn out that way and eventually Mac was like okay this is the player you got to be for us to win Kaluma did it um it may be kind of unraveled toward the end of the year and you saw some of that frustration on court um and now I think it's reached a point where um I don't know. I think Kaluma sees himself as that kind of player still that he wants to be, but I just don't know if Creighton is the place uh, that can be. I think, um, I mean, I get the feeling he'll stay in the draft. Um, 
if you look at um, based on you know John Fanta's reporting and you know the quote he got from Columa's agent, um, it was it was like the draft took priority. It was just like oh yeah he will he'll keep his eligibility because why not? We need that in our back pocket. But um, the the priority is the draft. It's, I think we're those were close to the words that were said. So um, you got to expect by now for Columa to probably sit in the draft. I think um, the pro basketball period will probably just work in his favor. The spacing just schemes whatever for what he wants to do and maybe there'll be a development team you know if he has to fight his way through the G League you know uh, there will be a team that will give him the on-ball reps that he would probably desire Um, but in college I mean I don't know how many teams you'll get like that based on you know the kind of systems you'll see in college I I just don't know what better place there might be than Creighton now I'm not ruling out a return to Creighton um, but I think if I put on that Dr. Strange cape like I always do it it'll be five out of probably a hundred realities it's just a a bridge between Coloma and Mac, I think that probably would have to be built. Yes, it is the bridge has to be gapped, and um, otherwise, I, I I don't think a return is likely. I think he just wants to try his hand at the pros already. That's just my guess. Uh-huh. In, in his mind's eye, what is his comp in the NBA? Like, who would he? I visualize himself as. Um, you know, I, I think the comps that to start the year were like a OG and an OB, like a three and D wing. Um, you know, that can maybe not be a dependable creator per se. I think that would be the ultimate ceiling, but like um, maybe a guy that could add a wrinkle with, you know, a creative dribble drive here and there that could at least put the ball on the floor and get to his own shot sometimes as a, you know, a wrinkle in the offense, but mostly defend multiple positions and knock down shots at a, you know, sustainable rate. Um, And I think at least he didn't say Jimmy Butler. Well, yeah, no, but well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, who I is I the person I thought that came to my mind is well, he thinks he could be Jimmy Butler. Well, <laughs> I, I think he who's one of the five best players in the NBA. I think he probably feels. I, I think he probably feels like he could be a, one of those creative scoring wings. Probably he probably thinks he's Paul George, really. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, well, I think OG is the, is what okay. the most realistic comp was to start the year. It kind of unraveled because um, OG obviously was. In that race early season for defensive player of the year, based on you know how elite of a wing defender he is, and um, while Kaluma um, was one of the better defenders on the team, just wasn't the most consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was locked in, he was really good, but he the focus I don't, I don't think was always there. And um, the three ball is something that he's still working on very much to perfect. He hit some some big shots, I think uh, maybe a couple in the tournament, and you know he had his moments like at St. John's where he hit the three straight threes to basically win that game himself. Uh, but it wasn't always there. The numbers aren't uh, – they don't jump off the page. Um, I think the summer he needed to have last year um, was derailed by injury to maybe, you know, jumpstart the progress. You wrote about jumper. that, yeah. yeah. And so um, he's still behind on that. I'm not saying he can't feel that comp or be a poor man's OG or be OG or better than OG. I'm not saying any of that. I'm, all I'm saying is that that comp itself, which was probably the most realistic one or the one scouts wanted to see the most – just unraveled as the year went on. It just it just wasn't – they didn't see enough there. Trey Alexander. Trey Alexander, um, this is, again, I, I think we could say we expected this. Um, and I think he deserved to go through the process. A lot of these guys that are going through the process for the first time, maybe they're doing it just to see – legitimately see where they stand, even though they know they probably shouldn't be in the process. I, I'm probably thinking of a – I don't know, Tominaga probably doesn't belong in the process but wants to see his progress. Uh, there are players all across the, 
the nation that don't belong in the process but are probably trying their hand. But I think Trey Alexander is in that middle ground where he definitely deserves to see, you know, that litmus test because he's not a guy for this year. I think that's the general belief. But he's a guy for next year. This is a guy with a legitimate shot if he has that kind of year, that, the kind of year that I think Creighton's trying to have him, you know, be in position to have. Um, he could be a first-rounder. I mean, you look at the measurements and the, you know, some of the flashes, he's oddly similar to Kobe Bufkin, I think, at, at Michigan, and that's the guy who's being projected first round now. And, mm-hmm. and so um, the the pathway is there. So this is a guy that, you know, th- trying to process now really makes sense. Like, I, like same thing with Baylor Shimer, I think, last year. Um, even though it probably would have made more sense this year, it, it last year in his thinking he probably wasn't thinking about returning for a fifth year. So he wanted to have that progress report but Trey right now it just makes all the sense in the world to see where you are and and just how close you are to that breaking into that mold NBA draft room which is not perfect um obviously is uh projects Trey as a as a 35th pick next year yeah that's that and that's that's probably accurate and he can build on that he can probably slip to you know 40 but I think once he once you're in that top 40 range for him that's probably the point where the agent says okay you gotta go like I, I think like I'm, I'm looking at the discussion surrounding Trey Alexander for this year and whether he'll come back and what it and I think that more so depends on you know um, I think that that last roster spot they feel is very important to whether he comes back it doesn't have to be this crazy uh, ten points per game player but a player that makes sense I think for him and and the culture and and whatnot and just being comfortable here um, and there are probably other things they 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 obviously sweating over there i think uh they want to make him comfortable because this is a guy it seems like now they're building around um there it's a guy they're giving the keys to and so um i think with him it comes down to you know he would have to have a an incredible summer like a nutty godlike summer to leap into that range now where we're talking about top 40, right. uh, which feels impossible given the depth of this draft, you know, some of the guys and names that are in this draft and have been circulating all year. Um, it feels impossible to leap into that from where he stands now mm-hmm. or virtually impossible. I but if it. he somehow did, that's I think that's the range where, you know, his agency is probably like, no, I, I can't tell him to go back to Creighton. It makes right. no sense. But but I, I just don't foresee that happening. So I think – a return is probably imminent, and regardless, it'll, it'll benefit him going through the stuff he'll go through this summer. So, I think that's a fair point that you know, like uh, if Kaluma leaves, then that means Nemhard and Kaluma left, and you know, Trey Alexander becomes very much the focal point. I'm pretty confident that Trey Alexander was more of a focal point for this team than Kaluma was. Yeah, it, and down by, the stretch, by the time the season started, but but a lot did center on Ryan Nemhard. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was kind of the, the point guard, so. It will be um, kind of interesting uh, to watch. The last one is Ryan Kalkbrenner. Now, Ryan Kalkbrenner, um, you know, uh, and you, you've you've been following this closely, um, has not announced anything as his uh, as it relates to his um, situation with the NBA draft. The NBA, as of Tuesday at three fifteen p.m., has not released any list of the players that have put themselves in for early entry, which surprises me. Um, but I, I don't know what the NBA cares about or what they're doing, and, you know, they're busy. Playoffs yeah. are going. Um, however, would it be fair for, for, for you to say that, you know, you're confident, beyond confident, that Cole Printer is at least testing 
Yes. I th- and I, why would he be doing that? And, and what do you think is happening there? I think it's fair to assume. I think why we haven't heard anything and why people are still. Because I think people have a good idea. Like, it would make sense for him to be in the process. So they're kind of assuming um, that he is, even without an announcement. Because um, he's just not a, a very, he's not a guy for social media. He, he I'm not sure he even posts by himself. I'm sure maybe somebody runs his account. Right. I don't know. But I don't think a lot of the theatrics these guys care about and some of the, the optics, you know, having a graphic, having something cool to post, that just, that's not him. Right. And so I don't think we should expect an announcement, but I think it's it's safe to assume that he's going through the process. Um, and it makes sense because kind of like um, Trey Alexander, even though I think Trey Alexander has – has more to gain from this process and pr- probably um, is knocking on the door um, a little bit louder than Cogbrenner. Because um, Cogbrenner, I, I think there's only so much he could do for his stock. It would take not only a guy like Summer, but uh, some notable improvements in his game, offensive game, this next season to where he's leaping into that range, even in the next year's cycle. And um, he'll probably be, you know, with a good year um, above the, I think the range he's in now is pick 50 to 60 I think we're looking at inside 50 next year um, maybe between 40 and 50 if he has a good year um, but yeah like it's just different because with Trey we're looking at you know inside top 35 uh, so it's different dynamics there but it still makes all the sense in the world for Kalkbrenner to do this for the first time and, and see where he is after winning his, his second straight you know Big East defense player of the year reaching elite eight anchoring his team. I mean, he was the walking defense for this team, one of the, the final eight teams standing in, in the country. And so um, it just makes all the sense in the world to see. And I think because this this next season, um, his senior year, is so pivotal to, you know, taking that next leap and where you're projected in next year's draft, uh, it's important to get feedback and see what you should be working on and be working out around guys that are, you know, in similar positions as you, whether that's projected in your same draft range this year or – um, projected to have your same trajectory next year, whatever. Just knowing, hey, do I got to add the three? Do I got to – what do I have to work on in the post? Do I have to add this? What has to change about my movement, my fluidity, whatever? It just it, – it's beneficial. Shooting and passing is probably – those are two areas where sure. you would have to get better? Yeah. And it, honestly, I mean, I kind of – I asked about this back in New York in media day. Um, I, I would like to see Kalkbrenner – and this is, a, this is probably a whole different discussion. I would like to see Kalkbrenner – uh, maybe become a, a short road threat because that's the the popular thing you see now. That I mean, the Warriors have been doing that for years, but now you're seeing um, Sabonis and the way they use him as a playmaker hub. I think uh, also at the college level does a, a great job of becoming a playmaker hub. Not saying Kalkbrenner has to be that. Obviously, he's, he's one of the top three defenders in college basketball, but um, it would be a good wrinkle to add if he wanted to, you know. And then, and of course the the jumper. I I think people in that department believe in his jumper and that it could be something someday. Um, and I think he even does, um, but it's just it, it takes. Well, he's got to shoot it then. Yeah, I, to shoot it. Like his, his jump in, in an open gym, shooting by himself, it goes in. Yeah. It's just it takes a lot to load up. It, I mean, there there are things he would need to work on, but the jumper is not far fetched. And so mm-hmm. I think he'll hear probably some of those things. He probably needs to bulk up on his frame. They'll they'll probably tell him that. Um, but these are things he'll hear uh, being around you know, pro guys and, you know, executive scouts, whatever, this summer should he, uh, assuming he's going through the process and whatnot. And so it'll be beneficial and it makes all the sense in the world right now where where he's at. 
one thing that, you know, and I don't watch nearly as much NBA as you. I watch a lot of the playoffs, a little bit during the regular season. But one thing that I think people misunderstand, because the scoring in the NBA is so much higher than college, is that the defenses, in theory, people might think that the defenses in the NBA aren't great. They're great. Yeah, it's just impossible to stop scores these days, man. Well, not only that, but my point being that, like, what Ryan Kalkbrenner experienced against San Diego State is what he would experience all the time in the NBA. And in that game against San Diego State, we saw it. Like, there were a couple moments where he kind of got bodied around, and the ball didn't go in, and he was, you know, three feet away, and he was four inches taller than everyone else. But the physicality of the game, well, in the NBA, those guys are as tall as he are, and he is, and they're physical. Like, when you talk about offense, like, he, he isn't going to go to the NBA and average 14 points a game where his game is right now. Yeah. He, he might not even average, you know, I don't want to be critical, but he wouldn't average that. Yeah. He I, would average less because he doesn't have a shot. And, you know, so there's just things about his game that would have to get better. Yeah. And granted, a lot of his stock is dependent on who he is as a defender, how easy it will probably be to plug him in right now as a, uh, you know, a drop big, even and though there's great scores in the NBA, too. Yeah. Because drop, you're seeing drop still in the playoffs and B drops, other, other players drop. Um, Drop is still, even though it's probably a bigger deal in the regular season, it's still it's still deployed in, in the postseason. And so um, you could plug him in there as a backup big sure. playing drop right now. I think that's what most of his projections depend on. Um, and then obviously as a scorer, he's good at angles. Um, would probably be tougher to fight for some of those angles if you're you're having to body up a, a Nick Claxton or Embiid or whoever it is, whoever you're yeah. defending. Even on the bench, a Mason yeah. Plumlee is 30. Um, stuff like that. So even though he he scores, you know, by putting himself in those positions usually without having to touch the ball or whatever, um, there are things he's gonna have to work on. He's gonna have to work on the you know the short roll and and some of those skills that you more so see at the pro level that put him in position to score. But like to your point, I don't I don't think he I, when he gets drafted if it's next year I I don't think it'll be because of scoring or he's made some crazy leap scoring. Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but I think he'll be drafted based on, you know, skills like, I don't know, maybe he improves as a passer, but mostly at what he does as a defender. Yeah, I think maybe he could improve as a passer. Okay, um, let's let's end with this on the Creighton side of things. With uh, the Well, Ryan Emhar went to Gonzaga. You, you, um, there was a lot of prediction that he was going to get Arizona. Mm-hmm. He went to Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, I will offer something in a minute, but I would. I'm curious what you what you thought of that that decision. I I don't know how good Gonzaga is going to be, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure Gonzaga is better than Creighton next year. I really don't. No, they're In not. Fact, I'm, I'm confident they're not. They're not. But Arizona wasn't going to be either, and I'm not sure that it was ever about that for him. Um, I'm not sure it was about you know his role or minutes or money, like people keep saying, I think that's a, a coping mechanism for a lot of people who, who I don't know, I mean, Creighton fans who just assume as a player this is just the most perfect thing on earth. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity. Um, it's, you got to imagine, um, if you're a guy like Nimhar who started every game of his college career, you're thinking, why would he turn that down another year of that? Right. Um, but, and I've said this numerous times already, there's always a better, you know, better job, better car, better house, whatever. Um, you always can be more comfortable somewhere else. Um, and I think Ryan just felt he could be more comfortable somewhere else. Um, I'm not sure it was about minutes or workload or 
exposure. Um, I he won't play better teams. He no. won't play better teams. And maybe that that helps him because maybe. because people out of out of Gonzaga still get drafted. They do. Um, obviously, it's hard to compare him to his brother because while they might have similar skills, um, his brother's six five. Like mm-hmm. that's just something you just can't teach. Um, right. Makes him a great size guard, um, translatable right now to the league. He had and a he good could score twenty season. a game out there and playing Santa Clara and you know San Francisco yeah. and this 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 isn't this isn't Connecticut. And for what it's worth, um, Santa Clara is getting guys drafted. Like it, sure. the, the the league isn't the worst. Not uh, the worst. Obviously, no. it's not the it's nowhere close to the Big East. Um, it's not the Pac twelve. But he can have the optics out there while I think he'll be comfortable and be closer to getting drafted. Now, I think there's a slim margin of error for him to, mm-hmm. you know, get drafted still. Like, he has to do a lot. He has to be damn near perfect. Um, but I think the realities are there, and it's probably more so there uh, than it is at Creighton. And I think he just feels more comfortable with, with that reality, and they're going to hand him the keys over there. They're going to move Nola Hickman over uh, for him, and they'll play together. And uh, it just made – it makes – a lot of sense. Maybe not to Creighton fans who are like, "Oh, he did it for money," um, which doesn't seem to be the case. Um, I don't. I mean, maybe Gonzaga can pay him a lot. Certainly, they need him. Yeah, I mean, it, they need him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for what it's worth, like his brothers in the NBA. If, if money is an issue, it, that that never made sense to me. It felt like a coping mechanism. Um, I just I think that would maybe be other people's reason for leaving Creighton, but you can't throw that on him. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I mean, you you make fair points. Uh, the the league is is not the Big East, but I think he's just he's set to be more comfortable there. He's with a coach that he probably connected with off rip, um, and I think that was probably one of the things that he maybe desired. If I had to guess, was uh, not to say I think his relationship with Mac was bad, but um, he probably wanted to be closer to whoever his coach was, and then the, all the people. What baffled me about the whole Arizona thing, and I never reported it. I reported that it was a potential destination, right. which it was. It always was. They, they mm-hmm. got really far along with him from from what I understand. But um, I never reported it as a done deal. Um, now, the reasons I'm hearing it wasn't a done deal are are crazy. But um, well, Didn't I, he ask for things that they didn't want to give him? Well, no. What, what I've heard is that, you know, because so many people signed it off as a done deal before sure. he even – really made his decision right. that Arizona backed away because right. they didn't want to get turned in for tampering. And I, right. I, I don't, I'm not sure Creighton's in that business to, to turn people in and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, this is some of the things I've heard, and um, it, it makes sense for Arizona to maybe back off then if, if that's the case. Um, but regardless, I always thought it was maybe 60-40 Gonzaga if, if, if he started from, from jump. Like maybe I think Arizona was really far along, don't get me wrong. But I always thought Gonzaga had a chance. And the baffling thing was that people would say, oh, well, well, Tommy Lloyd was who recruited his brother when he was at Gonzaga. But Mark Few was the head coach yeah. when his brother was at Gonzaga. Right. Does that not mean anything? It like, does. Uh, it, it just never made sense to me. And I, I, I can totally see I was not surprised at all when, when he committed to Gonzaga. Now, there were some other schools on his list that would have been interesting for, for you know, creating schedule this next year. Al- Alabama was on that list. That would have yeah. been fun. But um, Gonzaga they always made Latrell sense. Wright instead. I did see that, yeah. Latrell had a, a, a hype video about Bama before he We committed. should know. Hype videos are more valuable than crystal balls. <laughs> when, I, when a guy puts out a hype video, 
He likes the school quite a bit. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what? I don't think I'll have a hype video rant. I'm, I don't think I'm mad at hype videos. No, why would you be? I think I'm mad. He put it out. I think I'm mad if you have m- multiple hype videos okay. before you commit somewhere. You're doing a hype video for every school. Like, who's having time for that? Come on. That's a good but, the, but his hype video, I'm not mad at. And, and yeah, he ended up going there. So it, it worked out. In college football recruiting about 10 years ago, everybody was making a four-minute movie back then. And there were a couple guys that committed to different schools, and so they would make three or four, and we would call them the trilogy. Anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about, briefly, about the new signee. What? Why did Creighton add him? Yeah, I think um, I think they just happened to be... So Sterling Knox is who we're talking about. Is a, uh, he was a previously unsigned senior. Um, obviously, there, I don't think there's much school left in the, in the, for the 2023 guys, so he oh. was... He was well on his way to graduating unsigned. I think uh, one of his offers, I'm not sure what all his offers were, but I know San Francisco offered him. Um, and this is a guy that's a three-star. He's maybe top 50 at his position in, in recruiting ranks. Um, not doesn't have a big recruiting profile. Um, he's 6'6", six, six, roughly. I mean, his Twitter says 6'7". I don't know if that's true. You know, guys like to stretch that. Um, but he's 6'6", six, six, got good measurements, um, I think, they see similar measurements from from him to, to Trey Alexander, and um, he's a good wing. Um, you know, I think the skill set. You see some of the highlights and and some of the stuff from you know that showcase, the Iverson showcase, whatever it was. Um, there are flashes there. There are flashes there of a guy. While he could be a project, it seems he'll be a project. There are flashes there of a player that you know Creighton is comfortable building with and and you know putting effort into. And now he probably wouldn't play. I can almost be certain he wouldn't play this year, but um, it's a guy that they feel can maybe um, better their practice situation. And it's a guy that, I mean, if his offers were San Francisco and Cole, um, it's a guy that probably leaped on the opportunity because it's a great opportunity, but a project nevertheless out of the Vegas area, and I think it's a guy that, that you know, Creighton isn't too mad at that, that he chose Creighton. That's the thing is that, like, basketball teams have just enough room to put a guy on a roster who you're like, well – Maybe, yeah, and and that's kind of what that's. This is a guy that could turn out to be pretty darn good. You right. just don't know. Chances are, maybe he isn't that. You know, they've had a couple of guys transfer here in the last however many weeks. So, yeah. this happens. It's not uncommon in the, in in the football world. It would be adding another offensive lineman late in the class. You're not really sure if that lineman's going to pan out, but you always want shooters. Yeah. So I think that's what this is. I think I think what made it more interesting was that. Um, he did fill up one of their last two open scholarships at 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 the time. Um, we don't know what'll happen with you know Kluber or whoever, um, but at the time he filled up one of their two open scholarships. And obviously, this is a team I think that's still trying to bolster his bench. I think they know that they can't have another year with Farabello as their sixth man. It's just a lot of weight on him, yeah. um, and so they're probably trying to get another combo guard or a wing to to I rival him. I got the sense there. that Kluber's not coming back. Sure, and so when that'll Ray, open up another Mac scholarship. Good luck on the Twitter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, they they could be looking at another open scholarship, but it, it was it was interesting timing. And then his yeah, uh, his teammate um <laughs> committed as a walk on like the next day, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, is that the last scholarship?" Like, right. um, had people in a frenzy. It's just interesting timing of so it. So I all. think there's a relationship between those two guys coming here, especially if walk ons get nil and Kaluma. Whatever that was on Sunday, 
don't you think there's something to that? Like they feel like another scholarship came open and they could afford to add this guy. Do you think that? Um, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like the whole thing with Kaluma and then the the tweet from Mac. Good luck. Like <laughs> that was. Well, to be fair, I notable. think I think Mac did good he luck did, to did to, he do it for Trey? Trey yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't see that one. Yeah, I'm sure but, he did that. But too. I think you don't need Mac to to tell you kind of what's going on. I mean, you saw you saw what what Art wrote the whole. Yes. Thank you for everything. I'll never forget you, but I'm gonna forget you right now. So that's he didn't say that, but basically that's what it felt like. Oh yeah, I I I, I picked it. I picked it up. Yeah, no no question. That was an interesting goodbye. Well, hey, uh, a good player for for Creighton for two years, and and they they made two tournaments with him, and he dang near beat Kansas. They're gonna miss him. Oh, they they, will. You could say what you want. You could project the 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 rotation at the four next year. But they are going to, the same way they miss Ryan Hawkins stuff about Ryan Hawkins, the same way they miss stuff about Alex O'Connell, they are going to miss Arthur Kaluma next year. Hmm. All right, let's move to Nebraska really quickly. We'll start with Casey Tominaga. Okay, so the idea that Casey Tominaga was going to test the NBA draft waters has been a reality basically since two days after the end of the season. Um, Nebraska wants Casey Tominaga to come back. Casey wants to play in the NBA. Getting from Japan's professional league to the NBA, I don't know if there's any precedent. I really don't. I don't know enough about that. I don't think there really is. The idea that, that Keisei is, is, is going to go to the NBA draft is possible, that he, would, that he would remain in the draft, but that's going to require someone taking a risk and basically saying, we are okay with you learning how to gain weight and, and keep your shot and do all the things, and we're, we're going to pay you to do that in the G League instead of spending another year at Nebraska when Nebraska pays for you to do that. My sense of this process is Casey is going to do a workout with a few teams, that those, that those teams are going to be thoughtful in their feedback. That, how do I put this? That Fred's going to have a pretty, Fred Hoiberg's going to have a pretty good idea of who he's working out with. Fred knows a lot of people in the NBA. And I suspect that the feedback is going to be, hey, you need a full year of doing what you did for those two months, and you need to gain some weight. Because if you come into this league weighing what you weigh and, and not having that framework, you're just going to get pushed around. And so I think the feedback that Casey is going to get is basically that, but this thing is unpredictable. It was unpredictable two years ago when they thought they were going to get Delano Banton back. Delano had a lot to work on then. He still does for anybody who follows his NBA career. And Delano decided to stay in because the Toronto Raptors, the town that he's from, basically told him they were going to draft him, and they did. And so Delano Banton stayed in the NBA draft, and he got a contract out of it. Um, There's no guarantee that some team won't do that with Casey. There's no guarantee. And if they did that, then he would stay in. But the likelihood of him staying in is very low, and the likelihood of him coming back to Nebraska is very high. So I think he's going. You know, that's the way that this is. That's the way it's been understood. It's not one of these. Hey, everybody! I'm going to the NBA draft, and I love everybody. And like, there's tears, right? Like, there's the guy that says goes to the NBA draft, and he's going to the NBA draft because he's going to be picked. In the NBA draft, who, who's the highest-rated college player? Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Yeah. Okay, Brandon Miller goes to the NBA draft. It's thanks everybody. I'm Grady Dick. Thanks everyone. I'm going to the NBA draft. Thank you. 
Then there's that second level player where it's like, I'm entering my name in the NBA draft. And boy, I mean, it might just come back roses. You never know. Like, and that's kind of where Kaluma's at, or maybe sure. even Trey. And then you have whatever this thing that <laughs> KC is, is like, well, I want to work out with NBA teams in order to see where I'm at. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to enter the NBA draft. Right. And so I think that's kind of where he's at. Now, Nebraska's been burned by this, Joel, over many times. Seven years ago, Andrew White entered his name in the NBA draft, retained his eligibility, went to the NBA combine, got all the feedback, decided after he got the feedback that he needed to leave Nebraska, which he did, and transferred to Syracuse. It was an all-time burn. He was a good player, too, for at least for Nebraska. Then there was the Banton deal, right? And that burned Nebraska, too. They did not expect him to go. Um, they weren't unhappy that he went, but they didn't expect him to go. And then there was one more that people aren't always aware of, Isaiah Roby, who was basically advised, if you come back, boy, is this going to be a great system for you. You're, you, 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 you fit Fred Hoiberg's system to a T. We think you can be George Niang in this offense. And he left, and he went to the NBA, and now he's kind of in between. Well, he, I don't know, he's on somebody's roster for the He playoffs. gets contracts. Uh, yeah, right. I, I don't remember who he last played with. But but he didn't develop very much. He didn't develop quite enough as an offensive player. So Nebraska's been burned three times already by this in the last eight years. So we will see if this happens. Most teams have not gotten burned quite the way that Nebraska has by this process. Casey would probably be the biggest blow. Uh, maybe Andrew White was. Um, it'd be a big blow. They, they obviously don't know necessarily have a ton of shooters. On the transfer portal front, uh, Hunter Salas visited Nebraska this weekend. He went to the spring game. Alongside Hunter Salas at the spring game was Bryce McGowans, who uh, just finished his first NBA season. Well, I, I really applaud Bryce for having enough loyalty to Nebraska and Hoiberg to come. Basically, Bryce was there to, to help. He was there to have a conversation. Bryce and Hunter came out in the same recruiting class. Hunter was... In, I think in two of the three services, Hunter was ranked ahead of Bryce. Um, Hunter was a more advanced player coming out of high school, according to almost everyone, than Bryce was. He goes to Gonzaga. He didn't play much. Well, he played, but you know. I mean, you know what. You know the story. Bryce comes to Nebraska. Bryce plays a lot. Now, they didn't win any games. They went 10-21. and 21. But Bryce got, Bryce got plenty of time. He got his, yeah. He did. Now, Bryce, to his credit, is paying Nebraska back for that. I think he's back there to say, hey, listen, whatever you experienced at Gonzaga, here's what I experienced at Nebraska, and here's what Nebraska did for me, and here's what Nebraska can maybe do for you. And if you think to yourself, well, I mean, Bryce McCallens averaged 18 points as a freshman, and Hunter averaged four. Well, let's be clear that Bryce McGowan's was about a 27% three-point shooter. He wasn't a great shooter. Hunter's about a 27% three-point shooter. He's not a great shooter. Their offensive games are similar. Um, defensively, I think there's a feeling that Salas is a better defender than Bryce. Bryce wasn't always a willing defender. So I think the conversation that they're having is, what if we're able to put all of this time and love and care into developing you in ways that Gonzaga didn't because they had other guys, and we let you be the point guard? He wasn't really a point guard in high school. He wasn't really the point guard at Gonzaga because they had Andrew. And then who was the guy they had this year? Nolan. Yeah. Hickman. So they they missed on a couple other point guards. 
So now he's kind of with the point guard target. And it's risky because, you know, he hasn't necessarily played that position a ton. But that's where things stand. They really want to get him. He went to Wake Forest last week, too. Wake Forest is pitching something pretty good, but also slightly different. And then there is a feeling, a wait and see feeling with Nebraska of like, is this kid going to offer, is he going to go on more visits? Um, I think Arizona was interested, but I think ultimately Salas said no. Because um, I don't know that the role there was going to be, you know, what it could be at Nebraska. So it's Nebraska and Wake Forest, and does he set another visit? Um, they thought they were they thought they were in great shape with Latrell Wrightsell, and then Latrell Wrightsell made more visits. I think there was a feeling that if he didn't commit to Alabama, he was going to go to Arizona because he was going to visit there next, and he didn't. He didn't get there. He went to Alabama. They felt okay about I think Javian McCollum, but McCollum picked OU. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, more power to him. I think that's an interesting choice, and and uh, you know, I understood. Um, so now Nebraska's down to Hunter Salas, and if Hunter doesn't pick Nebraska, I think it's kind of a drawing board situation. Like they've got names in the back of their mind, but they don't know exactly who it would be because maybe some of those guys aren't in the portal yet. And the portal closes what May eleventh, like May eleventh. I'm the wrong person to ask about deadlines. Basketball. I, I think so, yeah. So that's where it stands. Josiah Alec also made a visit. Uh, he would be a four for Nebraska. Um, if he joins a team, I think the writing would be on the wall a little bit for maybe some of the other guys there. But Josiah, everybody knows what he is. He's a, he's a physical, uh, tough, smart player. Already has a degree. Uh, really sharp kid. Um Knows what he wants to do on the court, uh, makes plays, not great offensively, doesn't probably need to be for this team. They, they'll have some offense. I do think Alec will eventually – Alec will be between Nebraska and San Diego State. So he either wants to go to Nebraska and play his last year at Nebraska, his sister's a volleyball player, and just be there and be part of that, or he wants to go help San Diego State make another NCAA tournament run. That's probably where it's going to come down to. Sure. So, um, although, I, boy, I wonder if Arthur Kaluma couldn't play at San Diego State. I think he could. I think he'd be an interesting fit there. I'm not sure they – I mean, their offense is disgusting. I, I'm not sure he would rock out there the way he wants to. I get that. I'm not sure what school he would go to where he's going to get exactly what he wants, though. That's why I don't think – Other than, like, a mid-major. I. That's why I don't think – College is probably his route anymore. That's like he could go to Drake, maybe, and do oh, that. that. That would be. You know what I'm saying? Gross. Yes. Well, you know what I'm saying though. Maybe like he so could go to like you know somewhere like that, and if he bought boat. into the whole OG thing, maybe San Diego State would turn him into a, a you know one of those elite defenders you couldn't pass on in the draft. I don't know. He got the yeah. tools for sure, but but no, I, that's that's why I feel like college is just not his thing anymore. Yeah. Understood. So that's where Nebraska's at. Um, I think they're gonna. I think they'll get Alec. Uh, I think Hunter Salas, we'll see. It's Tuesday. I think there's people in Salas's camp that would love for him to make a decision this week and not take any more visits. I think there's also people that wouldn't mind if he took another visit. So um, we'll just have to see. Salas is, is, is uh, in a lot of ways, he's actually a lot like Bryce. Uh, they're both low-key guys. They're mild-mannered. They're not, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of quiet. Um, so I thought Nebraska bringing in McGowan's to just talk with him was a was a shrewd move. Actually, it was a smart move, and we'll see if it we'll see if it pans out. Certainly, the weather on Saturday wasn't very nice. 
Okay, that is all we've got for the Half Court Podcast this week. For Joel, I'm Sam. We'll be back next week. I don't know. We'll figure out what we're going to talk about. Maybe, uh, maybe there'll be more stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll have some definition with Oscar. Thanks, folks.